The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Visit sfspiritscomp.com for more information on our double gold and best in show winners. That's sfspiritscomp.com. Hey, welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. This is episode three. We've made it three episodes. That's a landmark for me. Big time stuff right here. We've got a bit of an audible here in the third episode. Last week I said we were going to go to Claire Dunn this week. We're actually going to go with Alex Ebert of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Now Claire's going to be on in a future episode, so make sure you got her on your playlist and everything because she's a fantastic country music artist. But I learned that Alex actually has a solo album coming out this week, so I thought that was important to plug that and make sure we got him on the show as soon as possible. Now... If you've not heard of Alex Ebert, oh boy, you probably have heard his music. He's, he's an American singer-songwriter, really best known for being the lead singer for I'm a Robot and Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. That song of his, Home, is basically on all kinds of commercials and television. In fact, he's won a Golden Globe. He won a Golden Globe for his work uh, on All is Lost in 2013. So he won that in 2014. Alex Ebers is incredible, incredible talent. I cannot wait for you to hear this very exciting interview. But last week with Jelly Roll, I got to tell you, I got more fan mail uh, from Jelly Roll's camp than than I even anticipated for this entire show. People were in love with that interview. Uh, Jelly Roll has a lot of fans out there. I mean, he's got like half a million Instagram followers. And, like, his fans don't really get to see that side of him very often. They just kind of hear and see his uh, rap side. And on my side, like, you know, people who follow me on the whiskey side of things were who aren't really rap fans kind of fell in love with him, too. And this comes from uh, Instagram follower Jeff uh, Gilroy. He writes and says, just listen to the podcast number two. Not much of a rap fan, but, however, spun some Jelly Row following the podcast. Really liked it. Great lyrics. Likely never would have gotten it if not for the show. So thanks. Make sure you're following. Make sure you know you you plug him, and and that's and that's the thing. I appreciate that, Jeff. I really appreciate that um, that comment because that's the whole point here is discovery. This show is about bringing cool musicians and whiskey together, two kind of like great like artistic creations into one podcast. And and Jelly Roll really is somebody you wouldn't expect to come up and really you know like. Uh, change the way you think about things. But that conversation that we had, I wish the entire country could hear it. Because let me tell you why. That point where he talked about his uh, his father and his uncle not agreeing on things politically, but yet they'd agree on 99% of everything else. And they decided, why would they argue over that 1% of things that they don't agree on? Instead, they choose to just kind of ignore that 1%. And I really wish that we could get back to this point in time where we could get along and not bring everything up to be like a debate or an issue and we could just respect one another. And I, I, I don't know, something's happened and I mean, there's been a lot happened politically. I'm not going to get into that, but uh, we just kind of lost a simple decency at respect for one another. And that interview with Jelly Roll really reminded me of how things used to be. When someone didn't agree with you, you still got along with them. Things have changed, definitely. So hopefully more people will hear that interview and it will give them some uh, some respect for one another. Now, this week's guest, Alex Ebert, lives in New Orleans. And I am pairing this week's trivia question 
based on the rich music history of New Orleans, where jazz lives. So I'm going to have that trivia question here for you in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller, Dan McKee, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Okay, so now the trivia question is, what major bitters was invented in New Orleans, the home of jazz? So that's going to be a fun one uh, to listen to because I guarantee you, you probably have this bitters in your cabinet right now. That's coming up after the interview, of course. Uh, But first, I feel like I owe you a bit of an explanation about the quality of this interview. You see... I really do strive to get good quality sound in this podcast. I've got these really awesome Sure mics. I've got like a Focusrite receiver. I've got all this equipment. And sometimes you're just you're just kind of in a setting that doesn't always allow for the equipment to work and you and you don't always get the best audio. That was the case with this interview, but the interview was so good, the quality of the content was so good. I decided to press forward for forward with it. But let me paint you the picture of where this takes place. This interview is taking place in my trailer, which is in the artist camp at Bourbon and Beyond, which is the music festival that Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros were, were headlining along with Foo Fighters and ZZ Top. And and so we were we were in the artist compound and you can hear people walking around. You can hear people in my trailer. The, you can hear Alex fine, you can hear me fine, but you're going to have to turn up the dial a little bit. The, the, the sound quality is not going to be as crisp and clean as this. I would akin it to probably a phone interview that you may have heard in, in the past on the radio or some kind of like uh, device recording you know, that may not have had like microphones. So you can definitely hear the audio. He sounds fine. I sound fine. It's just not the crisp, clean, clear type of audio that I hope to deliver in future episodes. But again, sometimes that's going to happen. You know, you are, when you're, when you're at concerts, you are occasionally going to be in a situation where it's going to be loud and people were drinking. So it was a good time and I cannot wait for you uh, to listen to this. I want to get your feedback. So make sure you're following me like, uh, like Jim was or Jeff was, and you're, you're hitting me up as you're listening to this or afterward. And follow me on the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and just let me know what you think of the podcast. It would mean the world to me. And I think Alex Ebert is such a talented guy. His new solo album is coming out this week. It is called I Versus I. So make sure you are picking that up, especially after you hear this interview. 
Without any further ado, here's Alex Ebert. If you can't negotiate with the moment itself because you're on some kind of grid, then you're selling yourself short of the moment, right? So anyway, what that ends up making for is a lot of uh, awkward moments on stage where we don't exactly know what to do or we look like we're screwing up. Right. <laughs> and I actually really love that part because that's, that's to me the... Um, whatever... It, I always want to see some of the some of the facade crack, you know, I don't know, uh, see some of the porous stuff. So anyway, tonight was particularly porous in that we had a lot of uh, crack-ups, mm -hmm. and, um, and I, every one of them was gold. So that's the, that's the great reward of, like, trying and failing. It's like when you fail, sometimes those fails are just, like, gold. And tonight it was all gold, and it was really beautiful, man. Uh, I've heard a lot of stories of, like, musicians uh, losing equipment, when they're on the road, how how often does that happen to you? Like you get something lost in the plane. Well, um, not enough to make an interesting story out of it. But I'll tell you an interesting story where we did lose a piano in a in a in a deal for whiskey. Actually, um, we were in um, Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah, Scotland. Yeah, and um, our piano. And we insisted on bringing a real piano with us, even though the fake ones sound better. Um, and they're very heavy, obviously, it's a piano. So we'd be moving the piano, and this one gig was down these flight of stairs, and we were so... F can, I, can I curse? Or no? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. Yeah, fuck yeah. So I was, we were so fucking tired and drunk after the show that we left them the piano uh, in exchange for a, like a half a bottle of... Uh, or a half a carton full of uh, half-empty, three-quarter empty bottles of whiskey... And um, and just rented pianos from there on out. But so that I hope that that piano is in there, that they understand the vast importance of the fact that they inherited the piano from Edward. Schoen. And I hope the whiskey was good. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I don't, um, I try not to. Is, I feel like I'm going to get killed after saying this right now. Yeah. But I can't. Whiskey makes me slightly. Um, That's okay. Sick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've got a, a few other things here. No, I mean, I'm drinking this uh, gin. Here. Yeah, you got a little uh, Sif Smith uh, gin from uh, from London. Have you ever had something called watershed gin? Do you know? Yeah, this? yeah, yeah. I'm watershed. Yeah. Have you ever had something they do that's like very smoky? It's got this weird, incredible, um, like hearthy. Are you thinking of like mezcal? Like a, it's like a mezcal, but it's yeah. watershed gin. I had it when I okay. was okay. Anyway, whatever. I've been searching for it ever since. So uh, yeah, watershed is a very interesting distillery. I've got quite a bit of their stuff at, mm. the, at the house. Oh, cool. So I'm gonna you poured a little bit of gin there. I'm gonna do that as well. I've been drinking. Uh, Whiskey, whiskey. All, all weekend, but it's also my job. I have to, I have to I drink have whiskey. To drink whiskey. <laughs> I have to drink whiskey with people, so <laughs> someone's got to do it. If that's not great. me, then who? Yeah, that's on the other the other side of the spectrum. That's like the job you want that forces you to drink, or the yeah. job you want that makes you be in shape. Either of those, I take. Well, 
I am uh, trying to get in shape. It's oh, not that's... easy. You know, how do you how do you stay fit when you're on the road? Oh, um, I used to be really good about it, but um, so I, I get really bored. So I've been boxing, which I think is like this incredible video game esque workout. It's so fun. Um, but then you know, like I've been getting hurt. <laughs> um, so, like like real boxing. Yeah, well, you know, you have the headgear on, but yeah. 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 Um, What's yeah. it feel like when you land a blow? It's um, it's an incredible feeling <laughs> because you feel in like capable. If that makes sense, you feel like some, like you can kick some ass. You can kick some ass if you yeah needed to. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So you obviously so whiskey's not your thing, but no, um, so I, yeah, but you like tequila. I'm a mega mezcal of agave person. Okay. Uh, for some reason, it makes me feel great. I don't like I I don't get any weird shit. And then of course I love the array of mezcals. Actually, I have a a company, a mezcal company, but a small piece. I don't do much. I just help. Um, but it's called Neta, and it's it's just fucking incredible. Yeah, they yeah. send you cases and cases of mezcal. <laughs> um, yes, but uh, yeah. Yeah, they're all not just small cases because it's like super small village, single, whatever village, yeah. just you know, whatever small batch, um, like two hundred liters max per per yield. Yeah, yeah. I'll check that out. It's really good. Yeah. So, what was like uh, air conditioning? Came air conditioning. What? So, what was your uh, first drink? My first drink um, that I remember actually was a tequila. Actually, so. I don't remember this, but my first drink, I was two years old, and I mistook uh, tequila for a 7-Up. They say I was two. I have a, Now I have a kid, I'm like, I don't think so. But whatever age I was, and I, uh, and I drank it somehow, which also seems implausible because it tastes horrible. But apparently I drank it, and I walked around this restaurant drunk, and I was about, yeah, two or three. Um, which, you know, so that would make sense with my, my tendency towards tequila, I guess. But... Um, I also drank again tequila on one of the proms, the pre-prom to my last prom. <laughs> Lucky man. And um, that was tequila, and that was really bad, and everyone threw up. Like, that was like a throw-up night. And, um, and a lot of people swore off it, but I didn't. Yeah, and a lot of people I meet have that thing with tequila. They're like, oh, my God, no. Like, you know, yeah, they got a bad college story or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do, you have, do you have a... a, a you, you say that whiskey makes you feel sick, but it didn't sound to me like it was like you drink too much. You'd like, does it make your stomach hurt? Or no, it gives me like uh, inflammation everywhere, uh, like my joints. I kind of feel like I have the flu. Oh wow! Yeah, it's like a, like a like a histamine response, basically. Yeah. yeah, like a slight allergy somehow. It's weird. All that said, this guy told me this amazing story, and I actually drank a shot with him because his story was so amazing. While he's doing the podcast. Uh, he started crying, telling me this amazing story about his childhood and how the show reminded him of his childhood. And then I couldn't. He's like, so let's have a drink. I was like, okay. <laughs> wow. Let's do it. And, you, and that was the, the blackened that you had yes. tasted. So yeah. that's, that's Metallica's whiskey. That yeah. The guy who actually made that was a good friend of mine, and he passed away last year. Okay. And this, uh, this, the Bourbon and Beyond last year was like one of his last you know, times oh, wow. he was seen in public. So it was a very sad so that bottle is very special to a lot of us in whiskey because it was it was Dave's like last project that he got to see oh, wow. come to fruition live. But um, wow. so now we're moving on to a little uh, grappa. This is uh, of course made in Italy, and it's uh, basically you know grape skins. Oh, you put some in already? Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I don't mess That's around. what she said. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. 
my band was so addicted to saying that's what she said at one point um, that the girls protested and uh, we had to I had to sort of um, scurry it away into another phrase which uh, was bing so anyway bing bing wow <laughs> so what is the you, you don't like playing set list what do you do you like playing in uh, studios recording yeah or do you yeah, prefer I love the stage uh, that's a great question. Uh, I was just sort of discuss- I, I there's in a dreamscape the shows because the connectivity thing is like off the wall amazing and the way that you get to interact with humanity is like you know phantasmagorical. But being in a little tin vessel and being toted around the country and sleeping in like a little like something that is small like shallower than this table here and like almost as short like you're just like you're in the you're like one of the huddled um you know non-massives and um yeah it's a bit difficult like month after month it has a it takes a certain thing out of you so anyway so you like that, the grappa the point the point being i think it it speaks to my senses yeah it's actually nice and uh, low proof it's got some. Uh, it's got some nice flavor to it. Yeah. This is not. This grappa is not. Uh, is not uh, pungent. A lot of grappas can be pungent, hmm. and it's not uh, over oaky. It's not. It's not as sweet as I thought it would be. But maybe it's not a dessert. Is, is it a dessert? Uh, I, some people like to have it a dessert, like the older yeah. ones would tend to be like gotcha. that. But it's like kind of like in a brandy way. Gotcha. Now here's a question: Do you like vodka? Uh, yeah, actually, oddly, because it's like almost has no taste, but yeah, I got into it. It quite literally has no taste. Yeah. So I have a, I have a hashtag or a saying, vodka sucks. It's like, <laughs> uh, like this whole, uh, this whole thing. Right. I, I, I have issues well, when it comes to vodka. What if I appealed to the narrow, the narrow sense of vodka, not as a thing that, um, that is ubiquitous everywhere, but as a one-off experience where you get to have chilled vodka, that honestly, when you get chilled vodka poured down your mouth, like, or you pour it down your mouth, it tastes, it has this, like, silver liquescence, like, like, blood of the frozen gods, sort of, like, thickness, viscosity to it, that I think is actually worth an argue. What do you think? Well, As a one-off experience. Can I get you? When you, when you, am I in a, am I in a room that is, uh, uh, below 35 degrees and there are blocks of ice and the bartender and you're naked yeah I don't know what I'm in okay <laughs> when you said I'm naked who, who, else, who else is in the room I don't know you pick <laughs> <laughs> so actually the way you describe vodka is probably the best description anyone's ever given it yeah it has to be chill. it's not a good t- you know, but it has that viscosity when it gets yeah. cold and it does that thing and it's got no taste it has this sort of primary element feel to it. I know people who swear by it for caviar. Like chill oh, vodka and caviar. It's like it's like their thing. Wow. With the blini and everything, the whole Yeah. 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 The Russians uh kinda have a ritual out of it and uh, it's uh it's starting to make its way over here and you're starting to you're starting to see actual vodka bars kinda oh, wow. come come out and, and do this. So there's a little bit of a movement for an effort of premium vodka which that's cool. Which uh, I don't, I don't condone. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I think that's like like water bars. That's how I feel about it. It's like, come on, like it, it. Yeah, there's a variety of taste, kind of, but not not really. 
I mean, are people that dumb? It's an element. Are people that dumb where you yeah, can yeah. sell them anything? Well, you know, it's funny, like, those wine tasters who get, like, who get, um, you know, tricked into pretending like the cheap wine is the, the wine of choice. And right. I don't know. I guess people are that <laughs> You know, it's funny, though. I live in New Orleans, and I think people just like getting into narrow, deep, you know, uh, knowledge about... I mean, look at your... Look at this place. <laughs> you have every whiskey on the face of the earth, and how fun is that, right? Because now, now that said... I will commit that you aren't insane because whiskeys all do taste different. Like there yeah. are there are differences to the thing, and in the case of vodka, I'll also back you in that. Like it's just not that wide of a taste to go to a bar full of different kinds of vodka. It's kind of like um, I don't know. Like, what do you think of uh, Japanese whiskey? Uh, Japanese whiskeys are great, um, but the one thing that a lot of people don't know is they're not actually made. Most of them are not really distilled there. A lot of them are, you know, distilled right. from other places, right. and they, they're blended there, and some some of it's aged. But um, it's kind of the, it's not necessarily the Wild West in Japan, it's just not a, um, it's not a transparent whiskey industry. Can but, you taste a lot of varietal difference between yeah. Japanese whiskey? Yeah, I, I think, I think like Yamazaki and Hibiki and Nika are, you know, the three, or three that kind of come to mind. You know, they have very different flavor profiles for That's me. That's cool. So. I guess whiskey is just one of those things that has that infinite array of possibilities. That's what I love about Moscow. Yeah. I, it, I find that stuff amazing. In a lot of ways, whiskey is just like music. You know, anybody can get a guitar, and there are so many things you can do with a guitar. So many different songs, and, you know, in the last, in the last, like, a uh, couple weeks, I've seen country stars do whatever they do with it, and I've seen like. Uh, uh, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, they don't. They don't. Uh, that did sound kind of shitty. Well, wait, wait, but do you mean by guitar, or do we? Are, do you say? Are you saying you've seen country stars play the whiskey? Uh, well, you know, I know some of them were hopped up on whiskey okay, okay, okay. when they got on there, but no, yeah. the way they. But play, you're talking about the guitar, of course. Yeah, yeah. they're all different. The way they play the guitar, yeah, or just they. And so, like, uh, whiskey's the same way. Yeah. It's like, there's so many things that you can do to right, make right, that right, flavor right, right. Right. different. Right, right, right. I know. It's all in the, 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 the minutia, which is why we care about, I care about minutia. It's fun to get into that stuff, because it actually ends up mattering. I used to, there was this horror, I live on this amazing street in New Orleans called Frenchman Street. And we're all yeah, that, yeah. yeah. And um, about eight years ago when I moved there, it was like starting to pop off differently, but it wasn't, um, definitely wasn't Bourbon Street, and it was really cool, Spotted Cat, all these cool places. And then they brought down this one place, and they put up a Dat Dog, which is this like hot dog chain thing. And I was like, you know what? That's not going to change this fucking, change this street. The street has an essence, a soul. And then I realized, like, with overnight, basically, as soon as it went up, the whole crowd of the street changed, and I was completely proved wrong. And what I realized is that superficiality is important. It is the language of the profound. And what, I guess what I mean by that is, like, even that label there, like, you know, people make fun of you, oh, you're buying it for the label? Dude, that label is affecting that whiskey right now. Like, yeah. like seriously, the minutia, that means that whoever cared, whoever made that label, cared enough to make it so cool, did they also, they must have also cared about the, like, they're, they're related. Right. There's some relation. So anyway, point being that that minutia is so fun to get into. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you can look at a label and it can, like, create, you know, make, your, make you salivate. And that's the same with music. 
you know, there, there are studies that show that when you, your taste buds are very different when you're listening to various music. That's so cool, man. So, you're kidding. Really? No, the taste buds? That, that, That's like a synesthetic. So we're all set up yeah. for synesthesia, basically, where we could taste things and they would taste differently in the cup. Like, your music could impact, you know, how the flavors that I'm getting from a whiskey. Right. So, I love that. That's, that's so cool. It's true. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, you have, you've had a, an amazing career. What's, what's, uh, and these are the questions you probably, you know, you're not going to expect, you know, from a normal interviewer, but what is the, what is the best bar you've been to when you're on the, everyone wants to know about your music. I want to know about your favorite bar. Okay. Um, what is the name of this bar? Um, Okay, alright, I have another one. Alright, so if you go to Oaxaca City, there's a place called Mezcaloteca. Have you heard about it? No. Okay, so in Oaxaca City, there's a bar called Mezcaloteca. You have to make a reservation, an appointment, to go to the bar. They call it a library. So it's a Mezcal library. But you go there, you sit down like a normal bar, you make, a re- you make an appointment, and they go through, they have the most incredible off-the-market, like, Stuff, including all the on, on the label stuff, but it's all small village. Like as it's as it's brought people, the local producers that aren't like hot bring their stuff there, and they have these amazing tasters. Everyone there has an amazing palate. The stuff, everything you taste is just like remarkable. Like everything you taste is just like holy shit. And they take you on this little adventure, and they serve you this. They give you a little story about the plant itself and whatever. And uh, it's a great little dive. And uh, actually, the girlfriend of um, Maybe the fiancé now. Whoops. No, I shouldn't have said that. Fuck. Anyway, the girlfriend of the founder of My Mescal uh, works there. Yeah, Mescal Odeca. Really what just happened here? The fiancé, girlfriend, what happened there? Well, okay, so I thought that I got, and I think I got him mixed up with another friend. Okay. She's his girlfriend, but I thought for a second that maybe they were now fianced. Uh. However, you can see the foot in my mouth if they aren't. And let's say she's like been wanting that, and now she's listening to this, and now he's listening to this. He's like, "Fuck." <laughs> well, we just won't share it with him. Yeah. Okay. Everybody in the world but him. Go. Yeah. yeah. We'll keep. We'll keep this episode real, real quiet. Just write that into the code. Yeah. So what's uh what what's a what's a drink that you've wanted to taste but you haven't gotten your hands on yet? In general. Yeah. Oh wow. Um. I guess, you know, like, there's the wines, you know, but, like, um, that, like, I, you know, are hidden in some, but, um, I don't know, I don't, hit, hit me to this, because I didn't even know you could fantasize about stuff you haven't drunk. Oh, brother, you can fantasize really? about a lot. Like, is there yeah. stuff that you fantasize about that you haven't had? Yeah, there's, really? uh, oh, yeah, yeah, like, I, I've had some really rare whiskeys, and I think to myself, when uh, I see these two, three million dollars go up and off, two, three million dollar bottles go up in auction. I see. And I'm like, I wonder what that tastes like. <laughs> yeah. So right. there, there was right. a time that Christie's would send me like a little sample. They don't do that anymore. Bastards. Damn. But, um, right. So whiskey will go up for what's the highest price of. Uh, gosh, I don't know what the record is now, but I mean, there's been. Uh, we're, we're talking multi-millions. I just I just uh, curated an auction uh, for American American whiskey. Still kind of like the stepchild oh, in, in comparison to Scotch Irish or Scotch. Yeah, Irish whiskey is the it's the bruiser of the 
uh, of the whiskey family. Okay. Uh, but um, but American whiskey doesn't really do well. So scotch, so old bottles of scotch will sell. Old for bottles of scotch, like a fifty-year-old, will just fuck. I mean, it could rake in a million, two million. And will people actually drink it, or is it just historical? Um, usually, it's some like Chinese billionaire. Jesus. And we never right. know Drinks what happens. Drinks it for his birthday. Right. Um, I've heard of them uh, buying like. It may not be a million dollar bottle, but they'll buy like a it's so fun. fifteen thousand or twenty thousand dollar bottle and then mix it with Coke. Coca Cola? Yeah. I mean can you imagine spending that money and then just <laughs> <laughs> pouring in Coke? Wow. Hopefully it's Mexican Coke at least. You know? Right, yeah, you know? some cane sugar. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> That's a whole nother level, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Well, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything new you want to talk about? Any cool music or any shows you're attending? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm so. Uh, when I was getting, as soon as you said, by the way, that um, when you took over from my my uh, my power of the superficial moment, um, I thought about the first uh, music um, poster that I ever that ever hit me that I ever saw. I was Run DMC. I was seven, and I was at my friend's house. He has a giant, almost life-size picture of them in like their black get-up with their Adidas, and it said "Tougher Than Leather." And um, I didn't know what it was, but I knew. I asked my new was music, and I asked my mom, "Can she take me to like whatever it was, whatever those stores were, Tower Records or something?" And I got the tape, and it turned out to be rap. Um, anyway, I fell in love with rap and hip hop all through my. That was the first thing I fell in love with. And I would sit in the back while my dad was driving and rewind and do all the stuff. And I started a gangster rap uh, uh, band when I was about nine called Kabang. Um, and, and there's a great intro. Uh, it was very, really violent uh, stuff, actually. Because NWA was suddenly my, my main thing. And then suddenly, you know, 94, it got, everything got really creative. And then suddenly, like, gangster rap and money took over. And I got disinterested and I started trying to segue myself through Bob Marley and Frank Sinatra and getting into, and then I got into punk rock. And I realized later that rap was my punk. Anyway, cut to now, right? I'm some hippie. I like got a beard and I've been doing a bunch of fucking folk music. And I'm thinking, and, and like, and you know, and I'll satisfy myself once in a while. I've made this song called Truth on my solo album and I, I kind of get to rap, but I put melody into it and all, just so like, you know, I don't get barbecued. And then now cut to now and like, you know, I just turned 40. I'm at my like total fuck it mode. And I'm thinking, like, what do I actually want to do? Like, what's the music that I make when I'm by myself in a little weird vortex of myself chamber thing when I was a kid, like, when I wanted to be creative? And it was these, and so I started making this stuff, and lo and behold, it starts sounding like the shit I was making when I was 17, and it sounds like fucking hip-hop, basically, and I'm like, oh, shit, okay. And you fuck, don't, and you don't give a shit. And, I, and now, apparently, I don't give a shit. So it really was a test. Like, do I not give a shit? <laughs> or am I saying it? And so I didn't. And so I said, fuck it. So I just started making, like, a double album. A double... A double... <laughs> a double LP of hip-hop. Anyway, so I'm fi finishing that up right now. And um, it's really funny because... It's funny to say out loud. <laughs> but that's the sh that's what I want to do, is just do the shit that I want to do. And the next thing is going to be like a whistle album, and then like a pure, like, like Hobbitland folk whistle, like, like soft-ass album. Like, I, I just want to do whatever the fuck. Because I score movies, and what I realized while scoring movies is serving, like, serving a purpose. I don't, I don't like the idea of being, like, a... Um, Paul Simon all my life. I love Paul Simon. He's one of my favorites. Bob Dylan. I can't... 
I just can't go there to that point where like I'm gonna be where you can count on me. I just I can't be counted on. I find that unbearable. I want to be able to switch it up and do whatever the fuck. And, you know, what the fuck? Anyway, so yeah, that's my last You're going to be you. I got to be me. And me, and me, and me. I contain multitudes, right? Uh, Walt Whitman? Mic drop. Nice. (laughs) Well, I'm, uh, what's the name of the album that's that's coming out with the hip-hop? I think it's called... uh, (laughs) I think it's called I vs. I. Subject to change. Subject to change. All right. Alex Ebert is my name, and music is my game. <laughs> Cheers to that, Alex Ebert. Cheers. Thanks for coming on the Fred Minnick Show, and Thank I think you. I've got um, some drinking to do. Okay. Cheers. <laughs> fun interview with with Alex. I'll tell you this that sometimes when you go back and you listen to the interviews that you do, you you stop and you're like, "Why did I why did I interrupt him there? Why didn't I just let him finish?" But I'm so kind of like rigid on this program's uh, intent of like pairing a whiskey or a spirit to a one's palate or getting into the to the roots of one's drinking history that I sometimes, I think, probably dig into a little hard. But, hey, I am all about learning. I think I learned for myself on that interview because I wish I did not get him back on track in terms of what he was tasting and what he likes to drink. I wanted to get a little bit more into this, like, astroplane element I felt ourselves going down. So it was kind of kind of cool. I, um, I think that we're going to have many more interviews with Alex because uh, he's got this mezcal and he's really hot on it. He's going to send me a bottle. And, you know, I think it only makes sense that I have him back on the show and, you know, taste his mezcal. What do you think? Hey, tell me what you think. Go to my Instagram, my YouTube, my Twitter, my Facebook, right into the show, or go to fredminnick.com and hit the contact button there. Make sure you're signing up for all my newsletters and everything because I want to stay in touch with you. And if you have something that you want to hear, you have a musician you want to hear on the show, you have a whiskey you want me to pair to someone's palate to hit me up, let me know. I want to include your thoughts onto this podcast. And make sure you're subscribing to this podcast as well. If you're not, just click that little subscribe button. Now, the answer to our trivia is Peychaud is Peychaud Bitters was from from an apothecary in there named Antoine Peychaud. And he basically uh, brings this to, to the world in the uh, mid-1800s, and it's used to make the Sazerac. And to this day, the company Sazerac, which is the parent company of Buffalo Trace in 1792, owns the, the brand Peychaud, and they created the Sazerac house there. So it's a fun little history. You can learn a lot more about it um, on the Sazerac website. But Peychaud Bitters is still widely used. I quite love the stuff and I use it in my Sazeracs all the time, but it also does goes really, really well with uh, other drinks. I think it, it goes really well with citrus. I love it with orange. I don't know why, but I think it's the probably one of the better bitters to use in, uh, in a cocktail with orange. So that'll do it for uh, this week's episode. Next week, I think we're going to go with Ed Kowalczyk from Live. 
the, the band Live, who had a great influence on my youth. Get to interview one of the great frontmen of the 1990s and early 2000s, Ed Kowalczyk. So make sure you're subscribing so you don't miss it. And uh, hit me up anytime on the social medias. Just search for me, Fred Minnick. Until next week, I'll see you later. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by the San Francisco World Spirits Competition at sfspiritscomp.com and by Michter's American Whiskies. For more information, go to fredminnick.com. Yeah, yeah.